And as you're seated, if you would uh, take your Bible and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, we're making our way through the life of Elijah as it's spelled out in the Word of God. Uh, we're basically going verse by verse through a few of these chapters in the book of 1 Kings, and we'll look at 2 Kings as well as uh, we continue on. But uh, 1 Kings chapter number 19 is where we're at tonight, and uh, we're just going to look at the first three verses. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time here in, in uh, chapter 19, uh, but tonight we're going to uh, just look at the first three verses. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Well, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods, little g, do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, last time, in the last few messages of this uh, particular series, we've looked at Elijah's amazing faith. In chapter 17, we saw him basically in the classroom of faith, learning to obey the Lord right away, taking God at his word. A couple times in chapter 17, it says, um, let's see, um, verse number 5 of uh, chapter 17 the Bible says here, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Um, and then uh, there's also another, uh, let's see here in verse number nine, verse number 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, basically in response to the word of God. And we talked about how he obeyed right away. There was no delay in his obedience, taking God at his word. He was learning that God was going to provide and God was going to take care of him, like the song we saying uh, a little bit ago. And then in chapter 18, we, we find the, the same thing happening as the Lord calls him to go to Ahab and tell him that, hey, uh, it's going to rain again because it had been three and a half years. And so in verse number two, the Bible says, and Elijah went uh, to show himself unto Ahab. So once again, he's responding out of obedience to the word of God, and uh, he's doing what God has called him to do. And then we have the great display of faith that we looked at last Wednesday night as he uh, didn't even, well, actually it wasn't last Wednesday night. It was two Wednesday nights ago when fire came down from heaven. And not even because Elijah even asked for it specifically, but because uh, the Lord wanted to show that he was indeed the God, the God, uh, capital G. And uh, and and so... Uh, Everybody kind of knew there that uh, God of the Bible was the God, uh, the one that is indeed the Lord, and that we should follow Him. And then last, uh, last Wednesday night, we looked at Elijah's faith displayed in his prayer life uh, in verses 41 through verse 46 of chapter 18, and uh, how he had tremendous faith. He believed that God was going to answer his prayer. He believed that uh, God was going to keep his word. So, Mr. Faith. Then we come to chapter 19, and uh, Mr. Faith becomes 
Mr. Brady Cat. Um, because here's what happens in verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Uh, Elijah had no problem standing up to Ahab. But when it came to Jezebel, that was a different story. Uh, and so Ahab goes and spills everything and, and uh, informs uh, Jezebel what, what Elijah did. And so Elijah, or Jezebel gets very upset, and she sends a message to Elijah. And she said, Let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, if, if I don't make you dead like you killed the, my prophets, I'm gonna, if, if that doesn't happen, then the gods do to me and more also uh, what I want to do to you. So basically, it was a, it was a death threat. It was, a, hey, you're going to die by this time tomorrow. In 24 hours, you're going to perish from this life because I'm going to make it happen. Well, in verse number three, so that type of, Note that he received that text message or whatever, however it came. I'm sure it was not a text message. You know what I mean. Uh, he got the message. He got the memo. And when he did, instead of Mr. Faith, he becomes Mr. Scaredy, Scaredy Cat. And so verse 3, the Bible says, when he saw that, that, that message, he arose and ran for his life. He went for his life. This is where we kind of get that phrase, run for your life. And so he, he went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And uh, don't do it right this second, because uh, I know the maps can get a little distracting as we start looking at them in the back of our Bible. But I did that earlier today. And uh, if, if you remember, he was in Mount Carmel originally. That's in the northern part of Israel. And he went to Jezreel, which wasn't that far. It was still northern, considered northern part of Israel. But then here he runs for his life all the way to Beersheba. That's southern Israel. So he books it, and he books it a long way, and he's scared. Now, we're going to get into a little more of Elijah a little bit more next week, but I kind of want to take this, his, his running for his life here as kind of a launching pad for us in our Christian life, the fact that we're called to run, we're called to run the race that is set before us, and some, some so tonight we're going to look at some do's and don'ts for running. Some do's and don'ts for running. Now, how many of you are an actual, like, physical runner? You like to run. Would you raise your hand? Okay, a couple of you crazy people. Um, how many of you do not like to run? Okay, uh, my hand is up. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it, but I know it's good for me, and I feel better when I do. It's just I don't really like the getting up and going out and feeling like I'm going to hock up a lung or, you know, like I need oxygen. <laughs> you know, I'm not that old, but I feel that old when I am out there running. Well, whether you run physically or not, all of us as believers are called to run the race that God has set before us. And so, 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 so tonight we're going to look at uh, kind of using Elijah here as a launching pad. Uh, we're going to look at some do's and don'ts uh, for running in our Christian life. Okay, 
Uh, let's look first of all tonight, and this is really from Elijah here, uh, in Elijah uh, from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. Number one, don't run because of fear, but do run with faith in God. See, Elijah here was running out of fear. He was, and, and what's, what's interesting to me is, you know, well, it's a legitimate response because, I mean, if someone wanted to destroy you and kill you, I mean, that would not be something you'd be like, eh, no biggie. I, if we got a legitimate death threat tonight, that would cause some legitimate concern in our hearts and lives. I mean, that's not just something you hear every day, but, but here Elijah got this. But, but after all the lessons of faith that he had been learning in the last couple chapters and seeing God miraculously provide without any issue, every time, exactly the way God wanted to and exactly uh, what Elijah needed at the right moment, all of a sudden, that goes out of his mind. And uh, now this particular threat, God can't handle. So I better run for my life. And uh, I know that all of us can relate to Elijah here. And uh, James said this as he referred back to Elijah in uh, James chapter 5. He said that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And so all of us are really in the same boat here. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to all of us tonight. Again, one finger towards you, three back at me. Because sometimes we trust the Lord like Elijah did for some things, but then another thing will come down the road that seems a little bigger and a little more intense than the other things in the previous chapters of our lives. And we go, well, God can't handle this, so I better run out of fear. No, God doesn't want us to respond out of fear. He wants us to continue to trust Him because He's the same God who's bigger than anything we'll ever face in our lives. Easy to say and believe in church here tonight, but another thing to believe that as we watch the news, another thing to believe that as we uh, get a report regarding our health or see our bank account kind of like disappear, or whatever the case may be, we still need to trust the Lord in chapter 19 as we did in chapter eight, 17 and 18. And see, Elijah did real well. I mean, passed the test, straight A's in 17 and 18. But we get to chapter 19, it's kind of like, uh, where'd your faith go, Elijah? There's been many times in my life where I've done really well in, in these certain areas, and then I face something like, I don't know, a financial issue, and I'm kind of like, oh... I forget that God even exists sometimes. And uh, that's what Elijah kind of ended up doing here. We need to be reminded of what the psalmist said. Psalm uh, 27 and verse number 1, David was a psalmist here. And he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And uh, Elijah would be like, um, Jezebel? <laughs> like, I'll raise my hand. Uh, I'll answer the question, David, Jezebel, that's somebody you could fear. No, David said it right. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I have no one to fear if the Lord is my light and my salvation. He goes on to say, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I love that verse. In fact, if you were to ask me what my favorite verse in the Bible is, I probably would say Psalm 27 and verse 1. 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We have nothing or no one to fear. If the Lord is indeed our salvation, if the Lord is the source of my light, and if He's my strength, I have nothing to fear. And Elijah did not need to fear Jezebel. Now, I know the sovereignty of God, and and God worked it all out and all that, but I'm going to be critical of Elijah here tonight and say that that was the wrong maneuver. That was the wrong response. Um, He was able to face 450 false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and King Ahab. He can't face an angry woman. Interesting. Psalm 27.1. Hey, I have no one to be afraid of. Isaiah chapter 43. Another prophet of the Lord recorded this that the Lord said. In Isaiah 43 and verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. He said, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by my name, by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, hey, I'm going to be with thee. And through the rivers, they're not going to overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. And we know that there were three Hebrew children that were passed through the fire, and they were not burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. We have nothing to fear. And so instead of running with fear, like Elijah did here, and running in our life just always kind of going, oh, I hope this doesn't happen. Uh," And our fingernails are down to the, because we're so nervous and so scared. God wants us to live by faith instead of by fear. We know this, but many times we forget it when we're facing something that can cause fear. Psalm 23 and verse 4, David again said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, Elijah, I guess you could say, was walking through the valley of the shadow of death right there. But David said, I will fear no evil. And why, why did he have that faith in that moment, David? Because he said, for thou art with me. Look, when we know that the Lord is with us, we really have nothing to fear. You could almost say it this way. With the Lord, I'm invincible. Now, you could take that too far, obviously. But but honestly, God's going to make sure that I'm taken care of so long as I'm trusting in Him and obeying His will and and, uh, within His will. Um, again, you could take that too far and, and, and all of that. Um, but within the will of God, I'm safe. And Elijah would have been safe, I believe, had he not run away and faced Jezebel in that moment. Now, later, we'll, we'll see how things go with him and his confrontation with Jezebel. But, but for now, he ran for his life. And uh, the encouragement for us tonight is to... Uh, Don't run because of fear, but do run with faith in God because He's with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And it it, it doesn't matter how difficult the things 
the difficult the things are that come into our life, God will see us through. He will take care of us, all right? Number two, uh, secondly, don't run away from God, but do run to Him. So again, some do's and don'ts for running the Christian life. Don't run away from God. Do run to Him instead. Think about Jonah, uh, another prophet of God, who was called to go to Nineveh and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before the Lord. Here's what uh, Jonah 1 in verse 3, here's what Jonah's response was. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish, which again was the opposite direction of Nineveh. And uh, he rose up to flee into Tarshish, and the Bible says, from the presence of the Lord. So not only was he running away from Nineveh, he was also trying to run away from God. The verse goes on to say, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish, Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So two times in one verse, it says that Jonah tried to run away from God. Now we know as believers, that's impossible to do. Once you know him, he resides within us, and there's nowhere that we can go that he does not see us that he does not know who we, where we are at and what's going on. But Jonah tried. And uh, there are many a believers, uh, many believers in their uh, Christian life who have at times tried to run away from God. They've, uh, there's been some distance in their relationship with God. I think even in Peter. As you look at the, uh, the disciple Peter and, and how he followed the Lord and and. Remember he said, hey, I'll go with you to prison. I'll even die for you, Lord. You can count on me. I'm going to be Mr. Loyal. Well, a few verses later, we find him following afar off. There had been distance that he let creep into his life from the Lord. And then he gets to the, uh, the fire there, and everybody's like, hey, you know, you know Jesus. You were hanging out with him. Uh, no, I don't know him. Yeah, you were. No, I don't know him. Yes, you were. I remember seeing you. Blankety blank, I was not there. And then uh, he says, you know what? I'm just going to go back to my old life. I decided to run away from God. If you're here tonight, I'm thankful you're here, but it could be that you're here in person, but your spirit and your heart is running away from God. Tonight, can I encourage you some do's and don'ts? Don't run away from God, but do instead run to Him. James 4 and verse number 8, the Bible says, Draw nigh to me. Draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh to you. As you and I, and I've illustrated this with Julie many times, uh, one of my favorite sermon illustrations of all time, is I take a step towards her, and then she takes a step towards me. I take a step toward her, she takes a step toward me, and pretty soon, man, it's really good. Okay, same thing is true in our relationship with God. As we take a step towards Him, and we run towards Him, He runs towards us too. I was looking at, I was reminded of the, uh, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. As that, as that, uh, that son is in the muck and the mire and the pig pen, and, and he's going, man, what am I doing here? This is stupid. That's in the Greek. You have to kind of look into it a little bit. 
But he's just thinking, what in the world have, have I let myself get this far? You know what? I'm going to go back home. And the Bible says he arose and went, came to himself, and he, and he rose and went back home, and his father saw him far off and had compassion. And the, and the next two words are, and ran. So as this boy is making his way back to his father, his father, uh, representing our heavenly father, uh, looks and see us, sees us taking a step towards him. He runs towards us. He loves us that much that he's willing to do that. By the way, he comes and he hugs him and he gets that close to this stinky kid who's been hanging out with the pigs. That didn't matter because his kid was coming home. Uh, tonight, if you've been running away from God, can I encourage you to come running home? Don't run away from him. Do run to him. And as you do, he'll come towards you as well. Number three, don't run from the devil, but do run from temptation. Do run from temptations. James chapter, this, this sounds a little oxymoronish, ish um, but James chapter 4 tells us we're never told to run away from the devil. We're not. The devil is obviously more powerful than we are, but the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, we're, not, we're no match for the devil, but guess who resides in us? The Lord does, and the devil is no match for the Lord, you see. And that's why we're told in James chapter 4 and verse number 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As we resist him, he's going to run away from you instead of you having to run away from him. Because... You know, you can run and you can hide, but he'll still find us. But when you stand up and resist the devil, not in your own power, but in your submission to God, letting the Lord shine forth, uh, he will flee from you. But we do need to, we don't need to run from the devil, but we do need to run from temptation. And there are temptations in our lives that uh, we allow ourselves to be uh, exposed to, and those are the things we're supposed to run away from instead of allowing ourselves uh, to um, be exposed to. Uh, there's a, uh, there was an article in the Denver Post um, some time ago, and it says this, Like many sheep ranchers in the West, Lexi Fowler had tried just about everything to stop crafty coyotes from killing her sheep. She had used odor sprays, she used electric fences and scare coyotes, like instead of scarecrows, scare coyotes. She had slept with her lambs during the summer and, has pla and had placed battery-operated oper radios near them. She had corralled them at night, herded them at day, but the southern Montana rancher had lost scores of lambs, 50 last year alone, the article said. Then she discovered the llama. The aggressive, funny-looking, afraid-of-nothing llama. Llamas don't appear to be afraid of anything, she said. When they see something, they put their head up and walk straight toward it. That is aggressive behavior as far as the coyote is concerned, and they won't have anything to do with that. Coyotes are opportunists, and llamas take that opportunity away. 
Apparently, lamas knew the truth of what James said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The moment we sense his attack through temptation is the moment we should face it and deal with it, uh, not in our own power again, but in the power of the Lord who resides within us. And not running away from it, letting him have his way again. He won again. He doesn't need to win again. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So don't run from the devil, but do run from temptation. I think about Joseph, who was there in Potiphar's house as a servant and a steward. I remember his, Potiphar's wife made advances, inappropriate advances towards Joseph. And each time he said no. And finally, the advance was so calculated and so strong Uh, She had removed all the servants from the house. I mean, it was just the two of them alone in the home. And uh, she was going to have her way with him. She grabbed him by the coat. And you know what he did? He ran away. He left his coat and got himself out of Dodge. He didn't try to say and try to reason with her. He ran away from that temptation. See, some people fall into temptation, but a great many make plans for disaster ahead of time. There was a dad who said, son, don't swim in that canal. Okay, dad, he answered, but he came home that night carrying a wet bathing suit. Uh, where, have you been? where have you been, demanded the father. Swimming in the canal, answered the boy. Well, didn't I tell you not to swim there, asked the father. Yes, sir, answered the boy. Well, why did you do that, he asked. Well, dad, I had my bathing suit with me and I couldn't resist the temptation. Well, why did you take your bathing suit with you, he questioned. So I'd be prepared to swim in case I was tempted, he replied. (laughs) See, he he made a way to disobey and by bringing his bathing suit. Now, look, if, if we're going to really run away from temptation, we got to close the door to temptation in our life. Can't keep it open. The Bible says, make no provision for the flesh. Don't, don't give your flesh an inch, because it'll take a mile every time. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 11 tells, Paul's telling Timothy and and, uh, and all of us, really, that uh, we're to flee uh, and run away from some things. And in the context there, it's on covetousness and the love of money and desiring to be wealthy and to have material goods and possessions. And in 1 Timothy 6.11, he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. In 2 Timothy 2.22, he tells Timothy, and again us, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. On the TV show, Hee Haw, does anybody remember that show, Hee Haw? Uh, I don't know that I've ever watched it, but I kind of know what it is, ish. Um, <laughs> On the TV show Hee Haw, Doc Campbell is confronted by a patient who says he broke his arm in two places. And the doc replies, well, then stay out of them places. (laughs) Uh, I guess if you know Doc Campbell, that's a thing he might say. 
Uh, he may have something there. We cannot regularly put ourselves in the face of temptation and not be affected. When faced with the problem of temptation, we need to take the good doctor's advice and say, stay out of them places. Benjamin Franklin said this in a wise statement, it is easier to suppress the first desire than to satisfy all that follow it. Very true, Mr. Franklin. Plus, you look good on a $100 bill, too. <laughs> um, all right, so number three, do not run from the devil, but do run from temptation. And then fourthly here, do not run with unnecessary baggage. Do lay aside every weight and sin. We spent some time on this at the very first Sunday we had here at Cornerstone Baptist Church of this year when I announced our theme, um, Looking Unto Jesus. We, we talked about it, and, and I, I put Brother Jacob, if you remember, I, I had him had a, carried around a backpack, and we put some rocks in it, and then we had uh, Brother, Brother Blake be uh, representing sin. And those bricks, of course, represented weights that we carry around in our lives that aren't necessarily wrong, that aren't necessarily, you know, evil. And there's no Bible chapter verse on thou shalt not, whatever. But there are weights in our lives that hinder us from actually accomplishing all that God wants us to. And uh, we need to lay those things aside in order to actually run the race that God's called us to run. It's not fun to run with a bunch of extra weight. And so I encouraged everybody on that first Sunday to join me on a weight loss journey in 2021. Not a physical one, but a spiritual weight loss journey where we remove the weights in our lives that are hindering us from accomplishing all that God wants us to. Look, I know there's a lot of Christians who say, well, you know, tell me in the Bible where I can't do this. And I tell me in the Bible where I can't do that. Look, I mean, okay, there's no verse that says that. But you can really carry that around if you want, but I'm telling you, it's a weight. It's hindering you from accomplishing what God wants you to. And I'll let the Lord and the Holy Spirit apply that particular thought in your mind and your life. Um, but whatever the weight is, it can be something good. It could be something just kind of neutral. I'll pick one, sports. Sports is... Uh, I think you can probably make a case for it being not good, then you can make a case for it being good. Although I do like uh, watching sports, but sports can absolutely become a weight in our life. It's very possible that we allow sports to become more important than the Lord. And you say, well, there's no verse in the Bible that says thou shalt not watch sports. Thou shalt not be involved in sports. No, there's really not, but we can allow that easily to become a weight in our life. And I've used other silly illustrations so as to not offend anybody in the room. You know, underwater basking, weaving, okay? There may be somebody in here who's in that, and I don't know. Uh, but that could become, you could become so obsessed with that, and you become so into that, that that just consumes your time, your money, your thoughts, everything, and it becomes a weight. There's no verse that says thou shalt not be involved in underwater basket weaving. There should be, but no, because <laughs> that's just an uncool thing to do, although don't knock it till you try it, right? <laughs> 
but it can easily become a weight. And other things in our lives can become weights that hinder us from being in God's house, from being in God's word, from spending time with our family like we should, all of it. Don't allow weights. So we do need to uh, not carry around unnecessary baggage, but lay aside the weight. And of course, the sin, the things that we've been, those besetting sins that keep creeping up year after year, day after day in our lives, we need to let those go so that we might be able to run the race like God wants us to run. Number five, uh, last thought here, and that is don't quit running. Do run with patience. Some do's and don'ts for running. Don't quit running the race that God's called you to run. I know for those who have run before physically, it's like you get out there and and, uh, when... A few few weeks ago, I was out running around our, our pond, and two times around the pond and back to the house is about a mile. And, uh, and I remember, like, going around that first one, I'm like, I'm not even going to make it around this first time. And I have to go around this twice? I don't think so. <laughs> but, I, but, but what ends up happening, though, is I get around that first, that first time around that little pond, and then I kind of get my second wind. And then I'm able to make it all the way around that and back home and about collapse when I get home. But, um, but the idea here is don't quit, even though your body tells you to quit. Even though your body tells you, stop, you're, you're gonna, you're, you can't do this. Don't listen to your flesh when you're running the Christian life. Keep running. Keep going forward. Uh, Hebrews 12 and verse 1 says... Um, Well, at the end of that verse, it says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Uh, It gives the idea of endurance, that you're not going to quit. You're going to keep running. You're going to keep doing the things of the Christian life. You're going to keep looking unto Jesus. Isaiah 40 and verse number 30 is a, a very encouraging verse. And if I can find it, I'll read it to you. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 30, 31, I'm sorry, um, says this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagle, eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But God wants us to run and not be weary and to keep going. Um, Galatians 6 Six nine tells us, "Be not weary in well doing, for in due season thou shalt reap, if thou faint not." Keep running, don't give up. Uh, what will it take for you to quit the Christian life? What will it take take for you to quit coming to church? Well, a lousy sermon that'll 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 do it for me, friend. I would have been out of church a long time ago since I've been pastor here, <laughs> a long time ago because there's been a many. I've went home and went lousy. But you know what? God's not called me to do this so long as I am hit a home run every time. Speaking of home runs, ready for a baseball trivia question? Question: Who is Clint Courtney? Anybody know? Well, if you're unsure, don't bother requesting the answer from Cooperstown in New York. Clint never came close to making it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. In fact, it's very doubtful that his picture ever even appeared on any bubblegum cards. 
This guy wasn't a legend in his own time, not even in his own mind. He was only a memory maker for his family and a few diehard fans who were inspired by his tremendous fortitude. Clint played catcher. We've got a couple other catchers in here tonight. You played catcher, didn't you, Brother David? No? Okay. Only this crazy guy over here, Brother Gary, played, uh, played catcher. And you have, and you played catcher too. Clint, you thought I was talking about you. You're like, Clint, that's... Okay, I didn't want to like brag, but it's me. No, uh, but uh, he played back in the, he played for the Baltimore Oilers, Baltimore, in the 1950s. Now, during his career, he earned the nickname of Scrap Iron, implying that he was hard weathered and tough. Old Scrap broke no records; he only broke bones. He had little power or speed on the base, base paths. But as for grace and style, he made the easiest play look rather difficult. But armed with mitt and mask, scrap iron never flinched from any challenge. Batters often missed the ball and caught his shin. Their foul tips nipped his elbow. Runners fiercely plowed into him, spikes first as he defended home plate. Though often doubled over in agony and flattened in a heap of dust, Clint Courtney never quit. Invariably, he'd slowly get up, shake off the dust, punch the pocket of his mitt once, twice, and nod to his pitcher to throw another one. The game would go on and Courtney with it, scarred, bruised, clutching his arm in pain, but determined to continue. He resembled a POW with tape, splints, braces, and other kinds of paraphernalia that wounded people wear. Some made fun of him, calling him, uh, uh, some made fun of him, and others remember him as a true champion. Um, what's it going to take to stop you? I mean, he, he did that for a game, sport. Uh, we're doing it for, the, the stakes are much higher than uh, a championship and, and the glory of this world. We're doing it for something far more important. Even last night, uh, during the World Series, anybody watch the World Series last night? All right, I did a little bit, quite a bit. Uh, Atlanta Braves pitcher Charlie Morton threw 16 pitches on a broken leg. He suffered a fractured leg uh, as a result of a pitch that he threw. Uh, the hitter hit it in the second inning, came back and hit his shin, and uh, he continued to play and threw 16 pitches, got, I think, three more outs after his broken leg, and finally they said, you need to You need to stop. <laughs> Uh, he why 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 the endurance? Well, he wants he wants his team to win the World Series. Well, friend, as believers, the stakes are much higher for us. And then I read about this man, Dean Carnesies. Dean was a runner and is a runner. He's an amazing runner. His most notable achievements include this. He ran 50 marathons. Okay, I have not even run a half a marathon in my life. He ran 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 consecutive days. So for 50 days in 2006, Dean ran a marathon a day for 50 days. 
and he went to all 50 states to do it. Pretty amazing, okay? But that, to me, that's pretty intense. But this guy, okay, so for those who, who raised their hand to say you're runners, now you've got something to, maybe you guys need to do a marathon a day for 51 days to break his record. Okay, there you go, Brother, brother Coleman. But, but, but what blows my mind even more than that is that this man holds the record for running the longest without taking a break. He ran 350 miles without taking a break to eat or sleep. It took him 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleep in 2005 to really run across Northern California. That's Talk about endurance. Talk about not quitting. But again, he was willing to do that for what? Breaking a world record? Having this notoriety being used in a sermon illustration someday in 2021? I don't know. I don't know why he did it. But again, as you, you and I consider the stakes that we have as believers, there, we're... we're, we're I don't want to say we, there are some believers, and I put myself sometimes in this boat. We're kind of sissies, sissy lalas. Oh, the preacher didn't shake my hand today. So-and-so wasn't very nice to me today. And we become baby Christians, crybaby Christians, instead of being, hey, I'm going to keep running my race. And my eyes are not on, remember what, what Hebrews 12 says? Verse, verse 1 says, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. As we're running our race, if our eyes are on our neighbors, oh, they're not very nice to me, or look how far they are ahead of me, man, that's not fair. Or look how good I am compared to how slow they are. That's the wrong target for our eyes to be. Our eyes need to be fixed upon the Lord. Our encouragement needs to come from Him, not from the people around us. Look, uh, I hope, you know, to a point, you know, Scripture does teach that, you know, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I think, I think a pastor should, there should be a little bit of that going on. I should be following the Lord, and, and I realize to a point, you know, the church family's looking to me to lead as the under-shepherd of the church, but, but can I encourage you not to look at me too much? Okay? You're like, no problem there. <laughs> Don't really want to. Uh, my wife, pray for her. She has to look at this quite a bit. Uh, but the idea here is, look, men will fail us. I will disappoint because I am human, as human as they come. That's why, that's why the writer of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where our eyes need to be. And so if we're going to stay faithful and not quit running, we're going to need to keep our eyes upon the Lord. More that I wanted, more that I wanted to say on that, but uh, we'll, we'll stop with that. So tonight we've looked at some do's and don'ts for running as we've considered Elijah and how he booked it because a woman was very angry with him. 
And uh, to me, that when you compare what he faced in the past to that particular... Now, this was a death threat. I get that. And she was a very powerful woman. I get that. But God was more powerful than all of it. And he, he somehow that kind of slipped his mind in the moment. Now, I want to encourage all of us as we face whatever we're facing right now or tomorrow or next week or next month, next year, uh, as we face difficulties, remember, uh, let's not forget the lessons we've learned in faith in chapter 17 and 18 when we face a chapter 19. Because we'll all face a chapter 19. We're all going to face something that seems bigger than, than God, but it's not. It's a figment of our imagination because God is bigger. Let's, uh, and uh, I, could re- I could repeat all the things that I've already said, but... Uh, Basically, let me wrap it up with this. No matter if you physically run in your life or not, we are to run in in other ways, spiritually speaking. We are to run in faith. We are to run to God instead of away from Him. We are to run away from temptation. We are to run light, not carrying around a bunch of baggage. And we are to not quit running. And may the Lord help us to do so in order that we might be able to say with the Apostle Paul at the end of our lives, I have fought a good fight. And I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for uh, putting this particular incident in Elijah's life so that we might learn from it. Help us, Lord, uh, to be good runners in the Christian life that you've placed us in. Help us to not quit. Help us to keep going. And uh, Lord, help us to honor you as we do so. And uh, we pray that you would uh, give us strength when we get tired, when we think about quitting. Help us to stay in the battle. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's take a quick minute.